In the next hour, we want to put a smile on your face, elevate your endorphins, and bring you happiness. Welcome to Say Yes, Be Happy with Natalie Botros. We spend so much of our lives chasing happiness, it might just be where you least expect it to be. Natalie and her guests are going to show you how and where to find it. And now, your host, Natalie Botros. Hi, everyone. I'm Natalie Botros. Welcome to my podcast, Say Yes, Be Happy, where each week we talk about happiness, about finding the silver lining in our daily life. And as you know, each week we, dis- we talk about a different subject. And this week we're going to talk about hypnosis. It's something that everybody's kind of curious about, don't know really. And I brought you a good expert. So let me talk to you about my expert. He is a transpersonal hypnotherapist practicing for over 30 years his unique synthesis of Eastern and Western healing methods. Through his school, the Institute of Therapeutic Learning, he trains and certifies students as transpersonal hypnotherapists. And actually, today it's been 33 years that he's doing that. He is the author of two books, Finding True Magic, Transpersonal Hypnosis and Hypnotherapy, NLP, and The Outrageous Guide to Being Fully Alive. His passion is helping people conquer their fears, bring real love to their relationships, and find true wealth and success. Please meet my guest, Jack Elias. Hi, Jack. Hi. How are I'm you? Here. I'm happy to be here. I'm good. <laughs> I'm happy that you're here too. I have so many questions for you, and I'm sure we're going to get more questions from the listeners. So let's dive in. What is, I mean, I know hypnosis, but what is it transpersonal hypnotherapy, and how is it different from hypnotherapy? Or is it the same? <laughs> um, it's the same and different. Okay. It's, uh, you know those uh, Russian dolls? Yes. You know, it's like the little one on the inside is hypnosis. And hypnosis is um, basically giving suggestions. And uh, with no therapy involved, just like giving an order. And that can work short term. It's like uh, pulling off the top of a dandelion, mm-hmm. it's immediately gone, but just for a little while because the root is still there. So then the bigger doll is hypnotherapy. And that's where you add therapeutic processes in the hypnotic state to get rid of the root. Okay. And then there's there's a, something called transpersonal hypnotherapy above that, that includes kind of a wider uh, paradigm of life. Like someone who's a hypnotherapist might not necessarily, they might just do therapy, but without any uh, possibilities of inner guides or higher self or, you know, past life, spiritual, any kind of spiritual stuff. So that would be transpersonal. Mm -hmm. And my transpersonal is on top of that, the biggest though, because there's an understanding from my Eastern tradition that the, that the real experience of our being, of the fullness of our being, happens when we leave our mind. So when you're, so people, even when you're talking about inner guides or whatever, you're still bound up in concepts. You're still in the mind. And the work I do, is designed to take people, use the mind, but then like metaphorically speaking, go to the edge of the mind and so that people can leap off the mind and experience, start experiencing a vastness of being that does not need to be supported by thinking. Like we're so addicted to thinking, we think our intelligence is actually given to us by our thinking mind. I have a lot of people that if I ask them, imagine what you would be like if your mind just stopped thinking. What do you think it would be like? Many people say, I'd be a vegetable, I'd be a zombie. Meditators would say, you know, I'd be very peaceful. So people who have meditated, who've become familiar with their consciousness to some degree, understand that they're not dependent upon the thinking mind for mm-hmm. intelligence and awareness. But a lot of people do think that and that's a big problem okay so it is actually deeper we go like in a deeper trance with with uh trans transpersonal hypnotherapy is that it 
with it's my like it covers more, but it's like it's yeah. deeper, basically. So, it, it, well, you want to remember, deeper is a metaphor. Yeah, and metaphors can be useful, and they also can trap us. So, my transpersonal perspective is based on understanding that language is inherently hypnotic. Okay. So you talk, and then with right. your voice, we we go under, let's say. Well, no, beyond that, that we're in hypnosis all the time. Everybody's, everybody's self-talk is just a stream of hypnotic suggestions. Okay. Who we think we are is our main hypnotic suggestion. All, you know, we have a bunch of ideas, thoughts about who we are. Some are encouraging, some are limiting, but it's all thought, which means it's all hypnotic suggestion. So my approach is to wake people up. From that. For yeah. example, if I do like my daily affirmation, it's a way of hip- auto-hypnotherapy. Yeah, so, but you know, you're adding positive possibilities, but it's, there's still the limitation of who I think I am. Okay. Well, that's interesting. <laughs> so what is NLP, uh, Neuro Linguistic Programming? It's like it's something else or it's like it really goes on the same line? It's a der- neurolinguistic programming is a derivative of hypnosis. It's it's hypnosis without a lot of the formal historical rituals of quote unquote taking people into trance. It's it's based on understanding somewhat what I just said that that people are suggestible all the time if you know how to talk to them mainly based on establishing rapport. Mm-hmm. That's all you need because there's all kinds of just uh, uh, definitions of hypnosis and hypnotherapy, but the essential point is that it's suggestion. Of course. Because all the power is in the person. Like stage hypnotists, because they're doing a show, they're, they're intent on giving the illusion that they have all the power and they're making people do things. But the people are only doing those things because they choose to. The, the hypnotist gives a suggestion. If the person doesn't accept the suggestion, nothing will happen. So the essence is suggestions. The problem is we have a, a high degree of gullibility and naivete and confusion such that we will accept suggestions that are harmful to us, which most people can immediately be familiar with if you just check out your negative internal dialogue. All of those negative thoughts, you just keep accepting them. You start out fresh in the morning. By the end of the day, you feel horrible. So how you, do you switch? Like, how can you, like, you know, block those negative ones and then get, like, the happy, like, you yeah. know, all cheerful ones? Yeah. Okay. So my approach is based on the notion of self, your actual self, is already complete and perfectly pure. So you don't have to fix yourself. And nothing that comes up in your mind can affect your actual self. Whatever comes up in your mind, negative or positive, affects your idea of self that you're identified with. It's like you're you're acting as if you're this idea of self, and then something in the script says you're good and you smile, something in the script says you're bad and you frown, my approach is to wake up to the fact that you're acting. Mm-hmm. And once you realize you're acting, you don't have to fight with anything that comes. You can smile at it. So what I tell people is if you're struggling, you're on the wrong track because there's no need to struggle. Struggling means you've bought into the hypnotic suggestion that you can be targeted by your mind. Okay. Okay. Your actual self cannot be targeted. But if you believe in the idea of self that can be targeted, then you'll feel targeted. Yeah. So, yeah, some people, they always, like, are scared that, you know, like, if they get big, they let themselves be hypnotized, they're going to, like, give up the power or, like, you know, be suggestible. And, like, it's it doesn't mean anything, right? Like, because how well, does the, it, the, it, first of all, like, the first question is, like, can everyone be hypnotized? Everyone already is hypnotized. By you. <laughs> no, by themselves, by their own mind. I know, I know, but I'm asking you if, like, you know, do you have, like, some clients where it doesn't work? Like, you know, you, no. they come to you and for help, you can, like, no, no because I, I'm not trying to struggle or fight with them. I, whatever they present to me, 
I work with in a way that helps them open up. Okay. So, and then can it change our behavior? I mean, I know that like some people go to lose weight. Some people go to stop smoking. Some people, you know, like there are like a lot of like reasons or some trauma actually. It's like, it's really what we know, but behavioral change. Do you think it works? Oh, I know it works. Absolutely. It works. Totally. Because again, all behavior is being generated by the person's inner power. And what you said about giving up your power, you never can give up your power. We have all of our power all the time. Mm -hmm. We don't understand. We also are absolutely free all the time, which is why we don't understand that we create our own suffering. And when we create our own suffering and we feel the pain of it, we misinterpret the pain as proof that we're trapped, we've lost our freedom, we've lost our power. No, we're suffering to the degree that we're freely using our own power to squeeze ourselves. Okay. When you, real, when you can accurately interpret this sensation of suffering, like, like say this is the squeezing. Mm-hmm. Can you see that or is it blurry? No, I can, can see. see. Some people okay. cannot. Uh. So very simply put, all of our suffering is in your fist. Like. Is that we're squeezing our being, mentally, emotionally, and physically. And we can release the squeezing. But if we misinterpret the squeezing as being caused by some outside power, then we don't realize we can release it. So when we squeeze and feel the pain, if we think, I've lost my freedom, I've lost my power, that implies an outside power has taken those things away from you. But if you feel the pain of your suffering and you understand that you're doing the squeezing and that it's a manifestation of your power and freedom, then you go, what the hell am I doing this for? You release it. Yeah. So you're not the prisoner of it, let's say. You have like free will (laughs) power. Yeah. The intensity of your pain is the intensity of the presence of your own power and the fact that it's painful is just that you're you're uh, mistakenly misusing it. And that all comes from programming in childhood. Like if people, when they're like somewhat in present adult consciousness and they hear what I just said, they say, well, that's crazy. Why would I do that? Why would I squeeze myself? It's because you're already in hypnotic programming from childhood where you were taught that the only way you could survive was by squeezing yourself. Okay, metaphorically. And physically sometimes. but No, literally. Physically, physically. This is, this is what happens. In childhood, um, we start out as an unselfconscious, exuberant being. We are, we are unselfconscious, exuberant being. There's no idea of self there. An unharmed little child is just a full manifestation of life force. Mm-hmm. So we are... As an unselfconscious child, we are unselfconsciously just a manifestation of life force. And life force is inherently loving of itself, inherently wanting to thrive, urge to thrive as itself. And that's true in every living being. What happens before the age of seven, little children don't have a cognitive faculty. Their frontal cortex isn't functioning. A lot of adults think children are just little adults. No. A lot of adults think children are fully formed once they're out of the womb. No. In those first seven years, one of the most important things that's still developing is their frontal cortex, the ability to discriminate, to critically think, to understand what's actually going on. They don't have that. That's why little children can believe in Santa Claus, the Tooth Fairy, Easter Bunny. Those are all pleasant things to believe, but they can also equally believe they're bad, they don't deserve love based on what their parents or whoever yeah. Hypnotizes them. So if you're going, if you're just unselfconsciously joyfully expressing, and then you get hit, your uncritical, unformed mind is just viscerally involved with the joy and experiences the hit. The built into our joyful being is the survival instinct, which is designed to push away insult. But when you get hit by these giants, you can't comprehend critically that they're 
the cause of the insult and you don't deserve the insult. They're gods to you. If they hit you and say, you're bad, you deserve to be punished, you think that's a law of the universe because God told yeah. you. And so in order, to in order to avoid being hit, the only thing you can identify as the problem is the joy because every time the joy bursts forth, you get hit. So you are taught to hate your true self, which is the joy. And as you are taught to hate and repress, you're taught to turn your survival instinct against the joy, to repress the joy, to survive. And then you start developing a rudimentary idea of self to go in the place of your true self because you're repressing your true self. That leaves a gap. You have to fill that gap in. You fill it in with the beginnings of the idea of self, which is based on what your parents tell you. You're bad. You don't deserve happiness. So that begins, and then, and then it becomes more sophisticated. They teach you moralistic things or socializing things, all building on the false self that's built on the repression of the true joyful self. And it's all squeezing. So you, you, you become profoundly hypnotized habitually to squeezing as, as a uh, preservation of your life. That's why now when you're adult and you hear that, it sounds crazy. Why would I squeeze myself? It's because you don't know any better and it becomes an automatic pilot. You forget all about it. It just seems natural. That's why you have to do therapeutic work to undo it. Okay. Okay. So we were about to take our first break, but this is interesting because like I, I have, a, I have like questions about it, about like how to raise your child. Uh, we're talking with Jack Elias about hypnosis, and right now we're talking about how to protect the kids from like harming themselves with like that pressure because like they're like always happy, and then like by punishing them in a way, we're kind of like oppressing this. Uh, we will come back after the break and talk more about it. Bye for now. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Is something missing from your life and you can't define what it is? Are you someone who seems to have it all yet are missing the most important thing to be happy? The Hungry for Happy online course may just be what you need now. Natalie Botros has created this course for you to find happiness, regardless of your body issues and or relationship status. Take the online questionnaire now to find out if this is a good match for you at thebond-vivantgirl.com and click Happiness Course. Whatever your budget, Natalie, the happiness fairy, has set up plans to help everyone find their happiness. Get a preview of the curriculum before you take the happiness plunge. Visit the bond-vivantgirl.com and click happiness course. In Natalie's own words, What do you have to lose? Say yes. Be happy. The Hungry for Happy online course is waiting for you now at the bond-vivantgirl.com. Streaming live. The leader in internet talk radio. VoiceAmerica.com. You're listening to Say Yes, Be Happy. To reach our show today, we invite you to phone in to 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. Or send an email to bvg at thebond-vivantgirl.com. Now, back to Say Yes, Be Happy. Welcome back, everyone. I'm Natalie Botros, your host. We're talking with Jack Elias about hypnosis. And just before the break, we were talking about kids, how we can oppress their happiness if we, we you know, like we punish them or like push down. That's like three happy thoughts. And actually, during the break, I got a question about it. Someone is asking me, how do you undo therapeutically those oppression that you will put on kids? Okay. So the problem is fundamentally confusion. So when you, it's, there's like a twofold process. You, you can work 
with understanding how to skillfully relate to children on the outside and understand anything you feel uh, compelled to do that's harmful comes from your own programming from your childhood. So you want to get rid of your hypnotic idea of yourself as being, I'm an adult and I'm fine. And I have to make these little children be like me. You have to understand that all of that comes from the harm you got habituated to from your childhood, the harm of rejecting your true joyful self. If you were in your true joyful self, you would effortlessly, naturally know how to relate to a little child. So, but when you say harm, you mean like punishment? You What do you mean like harm? Well, yeah, the harm, the harm is anything that causes you when you're completely joyful, anything that causes you to retract, to pull back. I mean, so to, if, yeah. And to engage your survival instinct to attack your joy. Like simply put, uh, to coin a phrase, unskillful or unfortunately intentionally abusive parents, the, the harmful messages are basically killjoy messages. So parents, parents go along in the trance, I'm the parent. And they don't realize when they're actually a killjoy. Yeah. That's one of the big trances of, of self, is that we have this idea of self that we think is constant. No matter what I say or do, I'm still this self. But parent, and then saying I'm a parent, that becomes part of the idea of self. But this is the, one of the uh, aspects of the uh, confusion-creating hypnotic aspect of language is that we, we're taught that nouns are things. There actually are no things. We know that scientifically. There's just the appearance of things, but it's all just constant flow of energy. So there are no things. We, there's, but there's labels called nouns that we then are uh, hypnotically induced into thinking we're relating, with, relating to a thing. And that's fine with like desks and chairs we get into trouble when we apply it to beings. So for example, you are not a parent. You are not a mother or a father. Parenting is a job description. Mothering is a job description. Fathering is a job description. If you, were to, if you needed a plumber to come and uh, fix your kitchen sink and a carpenter showed up, but he had plumber on his, on his tag, and he started hacking away at your kitchen sink with a, with a saw. And you said, what, what are you doing? You fix, fix he, he said, hey, back off. Can you see? I'm a plumber. Mm -hmm. But what he's actually doing is carpentry, which is totally inappropriate. Same thing with parents. People who are in the trance of I'm a parent, and then they have all their programming from their childhood about what it means to be a parent, including enforcing all these rigid ideas. They are unaware that if they had absolute integrity, they would have two name tags. One would say mother or father, and the other would say abuser. And when they were about to hit their child, they'd say, just give me a second, and they'd take off the mothering tag and put on the abuser tag. Then they would have integrity by, by openly claiming, I'm going to abuse you right now, as opposed to I'm your mother, I'm your father, you have to do what I say. So Instead, you mean by abuse, you mean like punishing? It's an abuse? It's yeah, an abuse anything, anything, anything that, that like cuts like what they wanted. So you should yeah. let kids run, do whatever they want? Kids don't. No, they need education, not punishment. Okay. They need education. So you have to explain them instead of uh, punishing them, let's say. Punishment is never appropriate because punishment, you have to understand how consciousness works. And that especially with a little child, who has no strength or critical faculty, when you punish them, you instantly trigger their survival instinct. All of their attention goes on surviving. None of it. And so they have no attention left over to take in the correcting message. Okay. Which is the why you have parents yeah. saying, why do I have to tell you, tell you 10,000 times to do this and you never do it? What are you, stupid? Which is another horrible, harmful yeah. thing to say. Okay. They're not stupid. It's just as soon as you trigger their survival instinct, and this is true with adults too. You trigger their survival instinct. They can't 
hear anything reasonable. Of course. I know about that, that, for example, if in your company there is a problem and someone comes and tells you, okay, we made a mistake. If you yell, it's not gonna, they're not going to find a solution. But yeah. if you, you, you know, like you said, okay, it happens. And then let's find the solution. The person's mind will work much better. And then like, you can find a solution instead of, you know, panicking him because like, if that person panics, it's done. <laughs> it's like they're, they're not functioning anymore. And that's because the shouting immediately triggers them into their childhood programming. People don't realize they're already master hypnotists. They're just misusing their hypnotic power. Everybody under the snap of the finger can go from adult consciousness to harmed, frightened little child consciousness, and then try to deal with a present time situation like some complex thing at work, but they're in three-year-old consciousness, so obviously they fail. Yeah, okay, it's very interesting. <laughs> it's like, because so, like we think, you know, like I'm old school, I grew up, my parents yeah. punched me, you know, yeah. it's like, it's part of the, what we learned. We try yes. to be loving, but I mean, there comes a point where like, yeah, but the answer to the question is punishment is never appropriate. And it's also crucial to understand that nothing I say is intended to be understood as being moralistic. I'm not course, saying no, no, no. Punishment, punishment is not morally bad. It's ineffective. It's dysfunctional. It doesn't get you the result you want. Yeah. It's better to explain and then to say, this is why you did this wrong. In a context of love loving encouragement, love and respect for the child so they can stay open and receive the message that you want them to receive. If you shut down, if you shut them down by scaring them or harming them, they can't let in the information you want them to understand about how to, where to put their milk. Yeah. Yeah. Makes sense. Okay. So let's go to the adults now <laughs> that those kids grew up some of them like grew up with oppressed. Some others like grew up, I mean, without any oppression. They're like happy. Very and few. Very few. And they come to see you. What are like the reasons, like the, the biggest reasons that people come to see you for sleep? For example, I might come to you for sleep. <laughs> yeah, or, lots, like, lots yeah. of insomnia. Yeah. Uh, lots of people come weight loss, smoking, trauma, phobia, um, stuck in... Uh, like resentment, uh, self-sabotaging, you, just anything you can think of. Allergies, okay. asthma, so, a lot of physical, most what are uh, thought to be medical, physical problems uh, can be eliminated by clearing the emotional causes. Most, most physical afflictions have an emotional cause. I'm not claiming to be a medical doctor. I'm not practicing medicine. No. So, for example, let's say I'm coming to see you because like, I have problems not falling asleep, but staying asleep. We, we do like you, you organize already several sessions. How does it work? So I want the listeners to know, you know, like how they contact you and how it works, the process. Okay. So, again, all, all suffering is a result of confusion and confusion is a function of the hypnotic nature of language. Insomnia is a label. There's no such thing as insomnia. But when you put your focus and attention on the label, you blind yourself to what you actually need to address. There is only activity. Sleeping is an activity. Keeping yourself awake is an activity. Every activity is initiated by motivation. So instead of hypnotizing yourself that I'm a victim of this thing called insomnia, you want to relax. Stop struggling, breathe, maybe put your hands on your heart and generate some self-love and self-respect and acknowledge. Apparently, I have conflicting motivations. You might metaphorically think in terms of parts. Part of me wants to stay awake. Part of me wants to go to sleep. Instead of you know, encouraging them to do this war that I'm suffering currently night after night, I'm going to lovingly approach each of them and find out what are they trying to accomplish? What am I trying to accomplish by staying awake? What am I trying to accomplish by going to sleep? And get them to realize they're both just aspects of my being. They're inherently one. They're inherently friends. 
So just as in the workplace, the best thing is to collaborate, not yell at each other. Yeah. So when you get these two parts to come together, no problem. I, I generally get rid of insomnia in one session. Because of this understanding that insomnia is a fiction. If you try to solve the fiction, you could do insomnia uh, uh, therapy for 10 years. And some therapists do that because they don't understand it any better than their clients do. I've had a client who came to me with agoraphobia, which, you know, afraid to go outside. Yeah. After one session, she was free. She went to the shopping mall. But then because of other programming, She's, which I hear this all the time, can't be that easy. So she literally rehypnotized herself unwittingly to have this agoraphobia, went to a, a residential clinic and spent about $20,000. It didn't fix it. So then she came back to me and we got rid of it again. And then she kept it. Wow. Okay. That's interesting. <laughs> yeah, it's like we kind of like auto-sabotage us. I see that we have a caller on hold, uh, John in Long Island. Hi, John. Yes. Hi, how are you? Um, I have a question around, around uh, smoking. Um, so I always heard a lot about, you know, hypnotizing you know, to, to, to try to quit smoking. Um, I was just wanted to know your thoughts on that. And do you think it's actually, uh, it, it would benefit in any way? It absolutely benefits, but you have to understand. And again, a lot of hypnotists don't understand this. Smoking is, and a good example for smoking is the dandelion image. You could go like a lot of people, thousands of people would go to these like convention halls filled with thousands of people promising that when you leave here tonight, you'll be a non-smoker. And a lot of them do leave being a non-smoker because they accepted a hypnotic suggestion. You're no longer a smoker. You hate cigarettes. But within three months, they're smoking again because that approach is like just pulling the top off the dandelion. If you do hypnotherapy, which as I just briefly talked about with insomnia, you go and find out what the part of you that smoking is really trying to accomplish and get it to see that smoking is a dysfunctional tool. It never accomplishes what you really want to accomplish. Replace the dysfunctional tool with a functional tool and it's effortlessly accepted. We are hardwired that anytime we see a better choice, I mean, and see it, not have somebody else tell us it's a better choice, but when we recognize something is better, than something we're doing, we effortlessly automatically pick it up. So the problem is having your ability to see what really serves you disabled. And that again happens in childhood. We inherently know what's best for us, but it's like we reach out for something that's best for us or that gives us joy just to see it and we reach out to engage it and then we get slapped. That's teaching us that our innate wisdom to follow what is really serving us and good for us and interesting to us is dangerous and bad. And so we hobble our innate wisdom about the choices we can make to take care of ourselves. So with hypnotherapy, if you have a good hypnotherapist, basically you'll find out in terms of smoking is that you've been robbed of your uh, ability, seemingly robbed, you've been convinced you don't have the capacity or ability or the right to be relaxed because you're a worthless person. You don't have a right to relax and feel happy. So when you get stressed, instead of naturally relaxing, you have to find a surrogate, a substitute, a dysfunctional substitute like smoking or drinking or any kind of addictive uh, uh, behavior. When you regain the awareness, you have a right to simply relax, then you don't need smoking to relax you. You take back all your power to go straight to relaxing. And if you do that, you'll never smoke again. Now, a lot of people do hypnotherapy and get a partial job and they maybe don't smoke for six months or a year. I've had many people like that come to me and the answer is always the same. Like, why'd you start smoking again? It's like, my dog got hit by a car. I got divorced. I lost all my money. It's always some- Excuse. <laughs> some, yeah, some level of challenge traumatic challenge that again knocks you away from your confidence in your inherent 
ability to handle life. And so you immediately grab at the old surrogate. So when I work with people, I build in very clear connections to their inner strength that no matter what happens, you get to choose to stay self-nurturing, self-respecting, and recognizing that relaxing yourself is always the best choice. And you can always do it, even if your wife leaves you, even if your dog dies. Did that answer your question, John? Yeah, no, thank you very much. I appreciate it. Sure, give me a call. (laughs) I will send all his information at the end of the show so you can call him. By the way, let me say, I've been working... I've been yeah. working virtually for 24 years with yeah, equal we'll, success. Yeah, we're going to take our second break, uh, and afterwards we will talk how to contact you. And then, like for with our last questions, um, I'm Natalie Botros, and we're talking with Jack Elias. And see you in a bit. Follow us on Twitter at VoiceAmericaTRN. Get the lowdown on guests, new shows, and your favorites. That's VoiceAmericaTRN. Is something missing from your life and you can't define what it is? Are you someone who seems to have it all, yet are missing the most important thing, to be happy? The Hungry for Happy online course may just be what you need now. Natalie Botros has created this course for you to find happiness, regardless of your body issues and or relationship status. Take the online questionnaire now to find out if this is a good match for you at the bond-vivantgirl.com and click happiness course. Whatever your budget, Natalie, the happiness fairy, has set up plans to help everyone find their happiness. Get a preview of the curriculum before you take the happiness plunge. Visit the bond-vivantgirl.com and click happiness course. In Natalie's own words, What do you have to lose? Say yes. Be happy. The Hungry for Happy online course is waiting for you now at the bond-vivantgirl.com. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com. You're listening to Say Yes, Be Happy. To reach our show today, we invite you to phone in to 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. Or send an email to bvg at thebond-vivantgirl.com. Now, back to Say Yes, Be Happy. Welcome back, everyone. I'm Natalie Botros, your host. We're talking with Jack Elias about hypnosis. Just before the break, we had a caller asking about quit smoking with hypnosis if it's possible. And Jack was explaining you have to be ready for it. And no, let me interrupt. Yeah. I didn't say you have to be ready. I say you have to understand what your true motivation is and that you have a right to genuinely help yourself and undercut the programming you get in childhood that it's not okay to to genuinely help yourself because that's what we're naturally doing. And when we get punished, the mm-hmm. unspoken message, it's not okay to help yourself. You have to do, do what's approved by your parents, which means serve your false self, which means you have to pick a surrogate way to help yourself, which is always dysfunctional. This notion of when you're ready is really a, a big problem. Because therapists believe it, clients believe it. There's no such thing as when you're ready. You're immediately always ready. What I said to the what I said to the caller a minute about the smoking is that if you perceive a better choice, you will immediately take it. You don't say if you perceive a better choice, you don't say, I'm not ready to take it yet. It's because you don't perceive it. So we're not like watching the clock and saying, okay, someday I'll be ready. It's what are the delusions I believe in right now? What are the hypnotic delusions I believe in right now, mostly that I got in childhood, that are deceiving me and blocking me from immediately taking a better choice? Because your true self, your healthy aliveness is always ready to take the best choice. 
So the idea of I'm not ready yet, that's everybody probably has that experience of having said that. That's a great example of being in your false self, the trance of the false self. The false self cannot be ready because the false self is hemmed in by all of the negative programming that mainly we got in childhood. But your true self is always ready to be joyful immediately. It's, you just need to figure out how to stop overriding that by the mishabituated survival instinct that as soon as the joy starts coming up, it says no. So how do you stop that? I mean, like, let's say we were talking before the break, if someone quits smoking and then something happens, their dog dies, they get a divorce. So that's like what happens, what makes them want to smoke again. How do they? I help them understand, help them understand that their false self is being ruled by hypnotic suggestions that imply you're weak and that imply feelings are bad and dangerous and can harm you. So I help them regain the awareness that feelings are your own being vibrating. They're not the enemy. And that grief is a sacred, respectable feeling. And if you just feel it, it will naturally evolve and return back into a state of peace and ease. But we have been taught grieving is bad. Sad is bad, especially men. Like, what are you, a sissy? So little boys are taught that it's not okay to have soft feelings. So that's why they resort to the acceptable feelings for a programmed little boy, which is like rage and power tripping. So if you know that there's no danger in feeling your genuine feelings, then if your dog dies, your wife leaves or whatever, and you feel this intense pain of grief, you just experience it from a position of self-respect and honoring the richness of the grief because the grief is an expression of your courage and capacity to love. If you didn't love, you wouldn't grieve. So you appreciate it. This is just my love recognizing something has changed. But I still have my open, loving heart. And that thing that I invested value in is gone now, but I still have a full, vibrant, loving heart that can invest in something else. Because all you, all, the only thing you ever have is your own open, joyful heart because everything comes and goes. Yeah. You know, perfect lover, perfect wife, perfect house, perfect mind. It's all going to go away. So don't be defeated by it by closing down your heart. That's the essence of being defeated by the external environment is that we have been programmed hypnotically to believe if you lose stuff on the outside, you have to close your heart down. You don't. Yeah, but when I said being ready, I, I didn't mean more like by the time. But for example, everybody tells I'm not a smoker right now because I quit it by myself. But if someone is a smoker, let's say, and this person loves smoking, but everybody around that person tells him it's bad to smoke. You have to stop for your health or others. So like they're not ready to give up. No, no, no. They are ready to give it up. Uh, They are ready. Okay. So there is no. If you can help them recognize it's not their best choice. Okay. See, these people tell them, like I said to the caller, it's not, you don't respond to the outside telling you it has to come from the inside. Exactly. Yeah. Outside people telling you that, that just makes you dig in your heels because it's like offended your sense of self respect. How dare you try to push me around? No. When people come to see me for smoking, I'll I'll say, you know, like, what are you here for? And they say, I want to stop smoking. And I'll say, what's the problem? You're not smoking right now. (laughs) Don't smoke anymore. No problem. And they will say, well, but I will smoke. And I say, well, then what's the problem? You want to smoke? Yeah. And then, you know, and I, and I, so, you know, I'm confused. I'm not going to, I, I practice, I have a problem with arrogance. I don't want to arrogantly assume I know everything about you. So I have to ask you questions so I understand what's the real problem. Yeah. If you're smoking, what's the problem? You don't want to, well, then stop smoking. Well, what's the problem? What's the, the problem is not that you're smoking. The problem is that you want to stop doing something, but you don't. So what's that all about? So that immediately makes them turn inwardly and go deeper. Plus, I don't have any of those moralistic standards. 
Like I might ask them, well, what bad thing would happen if you keep smoking? And they say, well, I might get sick. And I say, well, so what? So what? You get sick. We all get sick. And then they may say, well, I might die. And I say, well, so what? We all die. What's the big deal? What's the problem? No. I make them focus on what is the real problem. Yeah. And then we make the change. I'm going to tell you, you're going to get a lot of calls about smoking <laughs> and weight loss and sleep after this. <laughs> Because like, it's very interesting. So, for example, for sleep, you said one call, one, t- <laughs> one session will be smoking, one or two. It's like, again, yeah. I guess. It's yeah. just like that people have to listen to you. <laughs> they don't have to listen to me. I don't, they don't, I, I, what I do is encourage people moment by moment, because since I understand language is inherently hypnotic, I understand when people are talking to me, they're speaking hypnotically, and what they're speaking is thoughts they're already hypnotized by, and by saying them to me, they're trying to hypnotize me, yeah. and I don't get hypnotized. I, like, oh, poor baby, let me save you. I don't get hypnotized by poor me. Yeah. You know, poor me, I'm smoking, it might kill me. I go, well, so what? What's the big deal? You're not smoking now. If you really care, stop. Don't try to trick me into thinking you care. If you really care, you'll stop. So what's really going on? Let's find out what you really care about, and then it'll be smooth sailing. That's great. <laughs> it's, it's, I think it's, Yeah, people have to just make the, the step and call you. That yeah. would be making them ready, I guess. So how do they, can they contact you? They can contact me by email. Um, I have several emails. Probably the easiest one is jack at jackelias.com. Okay. And then they we can, have, they, yeah, your website. My website, jackelias.com. I have another website that's mainly... Much bigger website, all the training stuff, findingtruemagic.com. But if you go to jackelias.com, there's links there to go to Finding True Magic where you can learn about trainings and where the, there's a web page about lucid heart therapy, which is my private counseling. Mm-hmm. Okay. And also webinars that I'm doing and my articles, uh, YouTube channel, all those things. You can find links to all of that stuff on jackelias.com. On 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 the description of the show, I will put your website so people can follow, right. can find you, and then like from there they can contact you as well. So um, before saying goodbye, uh, I had like so many questions, but we're like <laughs> we have to do it again. We exactly, again. we have to do it again. One question: Do you think that everybody can? You you think that everybody can get hypnosis? Can people auto-hypnose themselves? Is it like meditation? Is it the same thing? It's different? Everyone is already hypnotizing themselves yeah. with their negative internal dialogue. You can, but So those are negative hypnotic suggestions. You can give yourself positive hypnotic suggestions. And if you do it with the same dedication you've given to negative hypnotic suggestions, the positive hypnotic suggestions will take over. People don't, people don't realize that they, with their whole heart and soul, they committed to these negative messages in childhood because it was a matter of life and death. So now when they're an adult, uh, positive hypnotic suggestions are kind of superficial and fluffy, and they don't dedicate to that with their whole heart and soul, and then they don't work, and then they believe this doesn't work. But the thing, they think it's a thing that doesn't work. It didn't work because you didn't commit your whole heart and soul to it. The way you already have to the negativity. So, yeah. And then like on, you have two books and on your books, on, the first one is like more technical, but on the second one, I actually love <laughs> the title, which is the outrageous guide to being fully alive, defeat your inner trolls and reclaim your sense of humor. So it's like in, in that book, especially you, you yeah. teach people, you give tools to, to people how to fight those trolls. Yeah. That, that book is full of things people can do for themselves. Because like they, you, you, have, you, you say that you help readers to transform their inner critic into inner coaches. Yeah. So it's exactly what you do. Yeah. And also you say that you, you dehypnotize yourself 
out of harm, harmful self-trances. Any yes. techniques that you can share how to do that? I mean, like we have a few minutes, but I really want yeah. to like... like yeah, well, uh, <laughs> everything, I've, everything I have been sharing is an example of that. Okay. There's many more examples. Like when your inner critic says something, you smile at it. And you say, you say, you don't say, it's a crucial that you come from a kind, respectful place. You say, are you too afraid to be kind and encouraging right now? Yeah. Find out what happens. You can try it right now. Yeah. You know, it's, it's great because like I always give this technique to my clients as well. Whenever they have a negative thought, I said, find the positive side of it. So it's, it kind of relates to it. So it's amazing. Jack, I'm so happy that you managed to come. Like, I'm really happy we made this happen. It was really great. Really, I learned a lot. Good. <laughs> so people, if you want to contact Jack, you know how to contact him. I will put all the details on Facebook and on Voice America and all the pla- podcast platforms. Please do not forget to show me some love to my podcast on Apple Podcasts. Comment, like, show how much you love my show. And I'm going to see you next week. Next week, we're going to talk about online dating. And it's going to be very fun because I know that a lot of people now, like people don't meet at bars, they meet online. (laughs) So for now, we're going to say goodbye to Jack and to you all. Have a fantastic week. Bye, Jack. Thank you so much again. Bye, everyone. Bye, everybody. Thank you for listening to Say Yes, Be Happy. Please join Natalie Botros for another show next Tuesday at 9 a.m. Pacific Time and noon Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Listen to this program again or any of our past episodes on demand and on your favorite podcast platform. Until next time, keep saying yes and find your happiness.